Broadcasting live from Florida's capital city, this is the Jeff Cameron Show, brought to you by Orange Theory Fitness on Real Talk 93.3. Now, stop what you're doing and listen closely. It's time for the Jeff Cameron Show in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Jeff Cameron Show right here on 93.3 Real Talk Radio and War Chant TV. And it is great to be with you on a Balls McWednesday. I'm Jeff. That is Director Matthew filling in for the vacationing Tom Lang. And man, what a night, huh? I'll let the music die down. I want everybody to be in on this. Everybody's got to be in on this. This is a hearty, full-throated Choo-choo! Let it resonate. For Florida State to get the win last night, as they do in dramatic fashion, not shocking, but dramatic and needed. 79-78, the overtime win. According to the spread, it's a relatively mild upset. According to Florida State's recent history, it's not that shocking at all. But hey, man. It is necessary, it is big, and it is a moment, one of many now, and that's really the crux of where I'll start talking, in which you left the TLC double C with yet another victory over a ranked team, another win, um, and another, uh, I, I guess collectively, you'd say, uh, enjoyable, memorable, indelible at that, uh, time with your friends, family, fellow Knowles, uh, and, and, and walking out of that arena, which has now become a house of horrors for the rest of the ACC. There are a lot of newcomers to the Jeff Cameron Show. There are a lot of newcomers to uh, our basketball talk and some of the lingo and some of the, um, I guess you would say, uh, consistent and persistent reminders of what we once were, the journey along the way and where we've arrived now, to this land of expectation, this land of, all right. For it was all those years ago that tongue-in-cheek, we said, after a meaningful victory, at the time, rare as it was, all those years ago, I uttered, you don't just stroll on in to the TLC C and expect to walk away with a victory. And I could not have known, and this is less about the show and the different, if you will, show memes and things of that ilk, and more about what Leonard Hamilton, his staff, and those kids, the players and coaches, have created. And the fans who have done their part along the way. But I could not have known at that time when I tongue-in-cheek stated, you do not just stroll on into the TLC C and expect to walk away with a victory, that that would in fact be true. Not just be true, but be true in a way that is the envy of the conference. 
and one of the envies throughout all of college basketball. That's not an overstatement. It seems at the time, many moons ago, that we could only dream of these kinds of successes, that it would be forever tongue-in-cheek that I would say things like that, that I would sarcastically say things like that. Going back, going back 20 years to when we were doing the morning show and I would re- reach out to the great Chuck Walsh, SID Basketball, Florida State, and I'd say, hey, man, I know you'd like me to talk about Florida State basketball on the show today, and I know that we're hosting a big game. These were the conversations being had at times 5 o'clock in the morning. I was going on the air at 6 o'clock. And I would say, I'd love to be able to talk about this program. But, you know, last night before I went to bed, I went through the record books, and I was here for some of the great days in the early 90s, and I remember those teams well. And I've frequently referenced, whether it be Rodney Dobart or Doug Edwards or whomever, Right, I would talk about those teams and I would long for those moments, uh, a Sweet 16 or an Elite 8 or just having an All-American. Right, But they were lean times when I broke into radio. Those days seem long gone. And so I would say to Chuck, can you give me a positive basketball note of the day? We quite literally came up with, he and I, the positive basketball note of the day. That's how bad the program was. They, they would go seasons without winning a road game in conference. And I would say, how am I supposed to fill a segment? And back in those days, I did a four-hour show. Much younger version and naive. And so I said, I don't know, man. I can't fake it. How do you want me to talk about these guys? They're terrible. I love them, and I want them to be good, but they're terrible. And so he would, he would find nuggets. He'd find little pearls. He'd find little st- a stat here or there, an outlier, some number that really didn't lead to any great success, certainly not a string of wins. And he'd send it over. And he'd say, well, did you know? And he would find the one thing that team was doing well through 10 games, through 15 games. He'd be like, well, you know, by the way, Florida State is fifth in rebounding percentage or whatever it would be, right? And I'd say, okay, I'll, I'll find a way to take that stat and I'll put it together with all of these others and I'll see if I can, the best I can, knowing the only way to do a show was to be real and to be authentic, even if it pissed everybody off. You were going to have days where you made everybody happy and you were going to say what you felt and others would agree with you and then you were going to have days where you were in the minority and they would be enraged by you. But one thing they knew coming every day to the show was, well, I may not agree with him, but he's going to tell me what he thinks, and it's going to be his honest opinion. So then I would, I, would, I would mold whatever those numbers were, and I'd say, well, you know, there are signs that they're getting better at shooting. That seems fundamentally important. And I would throw that out there in the wake of a five-game losing streak. So, you know, it's fun, Matthew, when you go in to do a show and the Knowles run a five-game losing streak and you go, you know, they're starting to shoot it a little bit better. <laughs> but we would do that. We would cobble it together. And I think back on those days, and I think back on those the, the dearth of victories, and I think back on those moments, and I think about how far the program has come since then because it was, it was the hope that we could both be good in football and basketball. And I would point 
to these other programs where that were true, where that where that was a fact, that was a thing. Like you oh, look at that, they're good at Oklahoma in both basketball and football. Even Florida, our rivals are good in basketball and football. Look at that, and I would point to these different programs where it was possible. But I knew. I knew we were outsiders in the ACC. I knew we weren't the Blue Bloods. We weren't liked. We weren't embraced by the triangle. The people in the ACC didn't like us. We were the bullies on the block on the football field that beat their teams by an average of 40 points every Saturday. Scoffed at the mere idea that they arrived to step foot on this field and play us in football. That's the way they felt about us in basketball. So you had this antithesis. Basketball season would roll around and... You'd go from being the bully, beating that ass every Saturday, to the one whose ass was about to be beat. And that was the one moment where those schools, soft as they are, could rise up and be the bully and make fun. And you had to wear that. You had to put that on, right? You put on the defense mechanism if you walked into the arena. You walked in going, well, maybe we'll keep it close. Maybe it'll be a good game for a half. Maybe, just maybe, uh, we're, we're finding a, a path towards being competitive. Imagine that, right? So then I was on the air in the afternoons, got moved there, and Leonard Hamilton gets hired as the basketball coach. And I remember it was a sp- surprise. Dave Hart had done a really good job of keeping that under wraps. Very few people even heard the name Leonard Hamilton. Not that they hadn't heard of him, but that he was a candidate. And so when he got hired, I remember I was excited. I was going to be his first interview, and I was. And he came on the air, and we talked. And, you know, Leonard had just had a stint where he had been working in media. And so he could relate and connect with media. And he talked about it. And Leonard has a way with people. He has a way with his coaches. He has a way with his players, for sure. But Leonard's a people person. He's a good man, a principled man. And he makes everybody in their own way, feel good about who they are and what they're capable of. So he'd come on, and here I am interviewing this, this basketball coach who we're hoping is going to take us out of purgatory, lead us to the light, to something that we could go and look forward to seeing week in and week out once basketball season rolled around so we didn't just have to put away our enthusiasm for Florida State Athletics, say for FSU Baseball at that time, we wanted to be able to embrace basketball. It's one of the big three. You wanted the opportunity to do so, and I had hoped. And, I, and here he was just praising what it was to be a media member. And I'll never forget that. And I remember holding out hope and wanting to get to know him and thinking how cool it would be in due time uh, to figure out what makes him tick and whether or not we'd be good. Now, to be sure, along the way, there have been ups and downs and times where maybe, in fact, I know I did at one point, and many others, even his most ardent supporters for a stretch, thought, ah, we're going to maybe need to move on. Looks like we've hit a wall. And he reinvented himself. And he chose to look at the game and take the advice of some assistants, longtime assistants, some newer assistants, right? This is a man, malleable, capable of change. Now, who's capable of change when they get beyond the age of 60, right? Very few people, forward-thinking, progressive, open to brand-new ideas as they get into their 60s. In 70s, but recognizing that the game had changed and the way that the game was played was changing and the way that you could relate to players was changing, Leonard realized, all right, let's embrace some of the more modern uh, approaches to the game. I'll I'll take into account, now these rock-solid principles are things that I'm going to stand by, that we're always going to have in place here at Florida State, but 
strategically, if you want to talk about how we play the game, whether we get up and up and down the floor in transition, whether we're more exciting offensively, yeah, I'll, I'll talk about that. I'll talk about different methods of recruiting. I'll talk about all those things. And he did it. And what it's done now is put Florida State into a place where you walk into the TLC double C every night. I don't care if you're playing the number one team in the country, if you're playing a blue blood like Duke, if you're having a great season per our standards or an average season, whatever that might look like, whatever stage of growth you're in or maturity you're in or out of, right? Obviously, this team has a group of vets that allow for the young, talented players, green, wet-behind-the-ear players, to grow, to figure it out along the way, to lose some games, ugly even, but to learn from that and develop and figure it out. And that melding, if you will, of the veterans, guys like Raekwon Evans who have found his confidence again. And it's just, a, it, I mean, that's not only an incredible shot, but those free throws, and now we're talking about three straight games where that guy in the moment has not been afraid. That guy has not only not been afraid, he has seized those opportunities and taken advantage of those opportunities with the belief that he's going to make the play or shot. That's, that's really remarkable considering where he was prior to this stretch. The absence of that confidence could be seen by all for long stretches of time. Malik Osborne fights back to be able to play in this game, and although he doesn't light it up, not even double digits in scoring, he is absolutely critical to the success last night of this basketball team. And then the youngins, Butler, who in that first half, you're watching that stroke and you're saying, there it is again, man, that guy can shoot it. But guess what else he can do? He can move laterally. He's starting to defend. And then he makes the block shot of the night, the defensive play of the night. And every time you watch Matthew Cleveland, I hope you take the time to appreciate it because he won't be here next year in all likelihood. But he comes off the bench unselfishly. He's a guy in a series of guys who have agreed to do that, who have acquiesced to what Leonard wants to do in terms of team basketball. And Duke got tired. You know how tired Duke got last night? They did something they don't ever want to do. Duke plays man, everybody. That's what they do. They play man. They came out of it. They came out of it partly because they were getting beat off the bounce. They were getting beat off the dribble. And they couldn't keep up, and they were giving up tons of offensive rebounds, and they were exhausted because of that depth of which I speak. And so they decide, you know what? Here's here's what we're going to have to do. My guys need to take a rest. I got. I'm. I'm tired. We're gonna have to take a rest. And they did, and they did, and it helped them. Uh, you got to give Duke credit. I mean, that allowed them the last seven minutes going to zone, rested them, and changed the flow of the game. And even though they were forced into doing something they didn't want to do, and by the way, Mike Shashevsky admitted that, said it after the game, said we didn't want to do it. My guys were just exhausted, and they had the flow in their favor, and they were beating our guys out on the perimeter and getting good looks and second-chance points, so we decided to go zone. And in that moment, you were scared, I was scared, because things slowed way down, and we looked, once again, confused against zone. But figured it out enough. And 
Florida State defensively takes you out of plays. You can't really run plays against Florida State. You've got to do what Florida State is capable of doing, which is to spread everybody out and hope that your athlete beats our athlete. And Duke has a slew of them. You go to that final play in the, in, on the defensive end, they were trying to get something to the basket on that last possession. They wanted uh, Wendell or, or, or Paolo. And Butler comes up huge there. And if you think, too, about that second half and the way the second half starts and how Florida State bounces back, you talk about the, the totality of a team and an effort win and a program win, but also this mindset. This, this, this energy that they play with, especially here at the TLCCC, a sacred place that it's become, they kept the ball out of Bancharo's hand the entire second half. There's like a 14-minute run where he doesn't touch the basketball. He's going to be the number one pick in the draft. And Florida State denied the ball to him. And they do that to just about everybody. Once they gain confidence and figure it out and people understand roles and they're healthy, this is the stuff they do. They just get better over time. And they begin to figure it out. And that crowd gives so much energy to this group that already is deep and plays very, very hard. This, this is why, and look, some of you got mad at me on Twitter. First of all, I'm not mad about a court storming. I'm not mad. I'm not sitting there like, you sons of bitches! I'm not doing that. I'm rolling my eyes because I think it's beneath us. That's how arrogant I am about Florida State's successes, that the program is at a place where we win games like this all the time. I'm excited just like everybody else is. And I get it. It's a byproduct of energy and enthusiasm and zeal. I'm not mad. I'm just pointing out, go look at the record. Go look at Florida State's home record. Go look at the amount of wins against ranked teams in that building. Teams that have, at least from a recruiting standpoint, from a depth standpoint, the cachet of history, those programs have more than Florida State has. And they routinely walk in here and get beat. It's not new. It stopped being new years ago. That's all I was pointing out. It was really more of a besmirching of those opponents that routinely come in here with more and lose, but also an uplifting of what Coach Hamilton and his staff has built, which is to be respected and admired by everybody in this conference, begrudgingly, I'm sure, for many. I will give Coach K credit, though. He brings it up on the regular. He started doing it some years ago. Post-games, he started noting to everybody that would listen, you know, this is a brutal and very loud and difficult and energized environment to try and come and play. And he was asked specifically about the environment. He said two things that stood out to me. One was, and it's a compliment to Leonard Hamilton and his staff, one was, he says, well, Florida State always plays so hard. They always play so hard. The effort is always there, so you're going to have to give effort, which I greatly admire. And I think Duke d- plays hard, too. Duke gets everybody's best shot. That's something we brought up before about Duke and Coach K and, and, and the sustainability of the successes they've had, which are all-time. Uh, but then he also talked about the energy and how because Florida State plays so hard and is committed to playing so many guys, they play with this – unyielding energy, and then this crowd infuses even more energy and life into them. It's almost like we don't want to let them down. It's become, and this is why I began the show, about what we talked about 20-plus years ago to what we talk about now. It's become the place to be, man. When Florida State plays at the TLC 
NCAC, whether it's against Duke or anybody else, you want to be there. You want to feel connected. You want to feel the things that make you feel alive because you love your team, you love this program, and you love to watch the enthusiasm and the effort that they play with, but also the skill, the talent, the adjustments, the things that they are able to do in these big moments, these big games, and this was prime time with the nation watching. It's a regular season game. I, I don't want to overstate it, but it's another, I'm glad, it's a reminder. It's a reminder that it's fairly much, it's become fairly standard operating procedure for Florida State to have you question whether or not they're going to have a chance to, to emerge and, and come together in time to sustain another run to the NCAA tournament, another top five finish in the ACC, perhaps as we have each of the last three years, another run to the Sweet 16 or better. You know, you wonder about that at times because you lose guys. You're losing guys left and right because you've done a very good job of luring elite basketball talent to Tallahassee. That's another aspect of a program build that we've watched take place. Back in the day, you'd hear about a guy who potentially could be one and done, and they'd get here and you'd go, eh, he's not one and done. He's, he's not that guy. The guys that come here now, when you hear that, you're like, well, well better enjoy it now. Because not only are they oftentimes a one-and-done guy, but they're going to go on and have great first years in the league right off the bat. See Scotty Barnes currently. So it's, it's a total program now. It's a consistent, winning team of significance that year in and year out finds a way to mature and fill roles and manipulate around holes and problems. This is not a complete team, and I don't want anybody to think that I believe this team is a juggernaut. They're not. This is not a, a team that I would, if you, if, you, if you put a gun to my head and said, all right, where, where do they finish this year? Do they make it to the tournament? Do they uh, get to the round of the Sweet 16? Do they? Man, I wouldn't feel comfortable saying that because I don't think they're that. They have emerging talent that's going to get better as the year goes on. They've now put themselves in a very good position because that win over Miami, who's in first place in the ACC, and at the time, of course, the Canes, uh, I don't know how, weren't ranked. They will be. They just got that house in North Carolina. That game wasn't even competitive. So North Carolina, you know, you would have thought could have humbled a Canes team that uh, maybe some in the eyes of many just had gotten a little lucky. No, they're not lucky. They're good. They're good. But they lost here. They did. Because that's what everybody does when they come here. And then Duke came here, and they too lost to Florida State. And that's a record-breaking win, by the way, for Florida State because of the 13 consecutive wins in overtime now, which is a national record. Nobody can touch. Get off that. Which doesn't happen if you're not well-coached. Now you've given yourself, we talked about wiggle room yesterday on Seminole Headlines, and the thought being, well, God, they really needed that Miami game. That turned out to be very, very big. And then they needed to go on the road and get that win against Syracuse and avenge the loss from earlier this year that left a bitter taste in our mouth because that was here at the TLCCC, and it was so shocking that it ended in defeat because that's not what happens here, that you thought, oh, well, man, that, that's, it had to end sometime, I guess. And then they went on the road and they got that revenge. But now what they've done is, well, they've moved into second place in the ACC for starters. One game back, first place Miami, whom they've beaten. But because you're playing three games in five days, that's a brutal stretch. At some point, you're going to hit a wall. I suspect that wall will be named Miami. I think that laying it all on the line and getting those wins in conference, now you get the makeup game at noon tomorrow. Now you, you know, obviously you... You then have to go on the road, and I, I, you know, it's it's you see it a lot with teams that play this amount of basketball in a short amount of time. So three and five days means at some point you're going to get an uncharacteristic effort. 
or uncharacteristic result. You're going to see a team go out with dead legs, and they're just going to get it run out the gym. And, and I, I suspect that it will be against Miami in the rematch. Could be wrong. We've learned not to doubt the transition of a basketball team on the fly as coached by Leonard Hamilton and his staff. Jeff Cameron, show 93.3 Real Talk Radio and War Chant TV. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back guaranteed because with ebay motors you're burning rubber not cash with all the parts you need at the prices you want it's easy to make your car the mvp and bring home huge wins keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com eligible items only exclusions apply the jeff cameron show is a production of the warchant.com multimedia network Check out Warchant.com today for the latest news inside Florida State Athletics. That's Warchant.com. Now, back to Jeff on Real Talk Jeff Kemper, 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. It is great to be with you. Happy Balls McWednesday, everybody. Man, that was good. So, you'll remember the way I remember, the way we all do these moments. I'm talking about a series of great moments that have us all excited on the regular with this basketball team. It's true, but uh, how many of you uttered as it was happening, that's not the shot you will... My man! That uh, <laughs> that Raekwon Evans kiss off the top of the glass is, uh, well, I talk a lot on this show about confidence. It's true in so many aspects of our lives. It's true if you have to give a speech and you're prepared and you're confident that you know the material, that you'll step to the dais and deliver. It's true that if you're preparing whatever it is that your company has asked you to prepare, assessment of sorts, if you will, that if you've done the work, if you've put in the time and the effort, and you've succeeded previously, you go into it with the belief that you will succeed again, and you likely, in fact, will do exactly as you believe. When you're not having successes, and you've had failures, and you've had moments in which it's easy to question um, whether or not you're capable then that all goes away. And it's a fickle thing, confidence is. It really is a very fickle thing. But when you watch athletes, when you watch your favorite team, you're watching your favorite players, you are constantly, without really even realizing it, gauging their confidence. You're trying to figure out where they're at. Because most of the guys, let's say, that get recruited to Florida State, that get recruited to play basketball here, well, this is a program now that has, I wouldn't say they're, they're year in and year out getting a, a bevy of the best players, but they are certainly in on quite a few, and we just got done talking to a few of those guys that went on to the NBA and have done really, really well and all that. So 
I, I say that to say this, the, the, the thought being that if you're here, if you're on scholarship here, this staff, which has now proven itself consistently, saw enough in you to say, yeah, yeah, we want you. We want you, which means you can play. I'm, this is what I'm getting at. You can play. You're good. You wouldn't be at Florida State playing basketball. You wouldn't be in the ACC playing basketball if, in fact, your high school, your AAU team, wherever it was we found you, you, you weren't a great player. You were. You had to have been. All of those guys were badasses wherever they were. They all were. Largely even the walk-ons to some extent. Okay? Just varying degrees of badassedness and elite-level talent. And so ceilings differ, but overall, fundamentally, they can play. And so once you get it or you lose it, the confidence that is, it becomes so obvious. I, I do admire that Ham doesn't give up on people. It is maddening at times. It really is. I mean, if I'm confessing here, it's that there are times when I watch a guy fail for the 7th, 8th, ninth, 10th, 11th time in big moments, in big games, in situations where you have to have them come through. And that's where Tough Love Cameron was born. That's where I started going, you know, how can I do this? How can I express the very real frustrations that I feel watching this guy play basketball poorly? (laughs) And yet still understand that Leonard and that staff certainly know more than me. And they're more patient than I am. That's for sure. And they've earned that. They've earned that benefit of the doubt. So how do I do that? How do I express that while noting, hey, he's not playing well and this is killing us, but without saying unequivocally, he'll never play well again. Because that's what I was, the the more immature, younger version of me would be like, that's it, I'm off of this guy for life. I'm washing my hands of you. You're ass. And you're killing us. Now I'm like, you're currently ass and you're killing us. I'd like you to not be on the floor as frequently as you're on the floor. Because, you know, you're killing us. But then, but then it happens. The belief, the investment that the coaches have in the kid, unwavering as it is, pays off. And then I become the father that I am. I become this, I'm about to melt. I just get so happy because now they're all kids to me. Used to be when I was 30 doing this show, they were just about my age, and I wanted to say, screw you. Now I'm 50, and I want to go, come here, let me give you a hug. I'm so proud of you. What a great kid. What a good kid you are. Oh, I believed in you all along. I really did. Don't listen to what I said in the afternoons. That's a day-to-day reflection of my emotional maturity or lack thereof. Tonight, come here. Come on. I'm proud of you. So there's that, right? And then... And then so it happens that that kid finds it. And he has the game that he has uh, where he hits, you know, I mean, obviously the free throws with 0.8 on the clock against Miami. And then he goes on the road and he follows that up with, a, with an infusion of life and confidence that he didn't have prior to that. And he goes on the road and he plays a great game, a complete game. It's not just that he hits a big shot. It's that he played a good game all the way around. Like the totality of his game shifts to a place we haven't seen in two and a half years. Where we got a glimpse. We had a glimpse when he was first here. And it all went to hell. But there it is last night. And he's at the top of the key. And I'm going, my man, I hear John Gruden in my head. Time is of the essence. We can't, we're just dilly-dallying. So we're going to bring it into the trees, are we? Look at this shot. Oh, my God. Woo! 
Who takes that floater off the glass underhand? I mean, that's ridiculous. But, man, you do that if you're believing in yourself, if you're confident, if you think, I'm going to make this. That's what I'm going to do. I felt how I'm sure some Golden State Warriors fans felt whenever Seth or uh, Steph, Steph first yeah. got in the league. You're like, what are you? Why would pulling you? up from 45? Oh, are we? Yeah. Okay, that yeah. went in as well. Yeah. By all means, yeah. <laughs> yeah, because we all heard our coaches in our head all those years ago. You don't take that shot with nobody underneath the basket from 40. Like, who takes that shot? You're right, and then Steph takes that shot. You're like, well, I mean, if my man's just going to step into it like it's standard, like he's shooting a free throw. Uh, it's 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 impressive. It really is impressive to see that shot fall for Raekwon. Tom, thank you so much. Appreciate your contributions to the Jeff Cameron Show. This team has a ceiling and may not go dancing, but, damn, they are fun to cheer for. Based on the eye test, I kept asking myself last night, how in the hell are we still in this game? No one coaches them better, coaches them up better than Ham. Well, I, I tell you, one of the ways that we were in that game, Tom, you know, with all the second-chance opportunities that Florida State had, uh, I think the number was 19-7 to Florida State uh, led – Duke and offensive rebounds. So uh, a nineteen to seven edge. If it's if it's us, it's emboldening. Uh, emboldening. If it's them, that'll hurt your feelings. By the way, Florida State and NC State are the top two offensive rebounding teams in the ACC. Of course, we beat the brakes off NC State. But I, I would just—I mean—that is. It's fun to think about. It's you know again. You, you think about some of the things this team does well. I did the game preview. Uh, I picked Duke last night. I got that game wrong. I said that I wouldn't be afraid to sprinkle some pizza money on Florida State, but I got a couple things right. I got Malik Osborne under uh, the ten and a half. I got Caleb Mills right over twelve and a half. Late in the game, it was getting a little dicey, but he got there. I don't remember. You might have the hook. Might have got you on Wendell Moore. Wendell Moore. I said he would be over 13 and a half. He finished with 13. I thought <laughs> I was pretty close. It still paid if you got my prize picks yesterday. If you were watching College Sportsbook, we did a preview of the game. Uh, if, you took, if you took a three-man prize pick team, which I did, I had Malik Osborne under Caleb Mills over and Wendell Moore over. Uh, I didn't go three for three, but prize picks pays two of three. So you sprinkle a little money on that, you got it right. We just got four more offensive rebounds just in the first segment of the JCS today, writes Noldad. That's worthy. Speaking of Caleb Mills, uh, that that's a streaky ju- that's a streaky dude. But I, when he's right, he's right as rain. That three in transition right after the big Duke basket, you want to talk about a suck it? I mean, that is here we go. No conscience, no conscience. Like, oh really? Get you some of this, blappa. I mean, just with the quickness, and it was so easy, easy breezy. We, you remember, you guys. Let's go. Let's 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 continue the memory lane segment here, if you will. Remember how it used to be maddening to watch four. Now we didn't shoot well last night. Didn't shoot well at all. Actually, one of our worst shooting nights. But we hit big shots, and we gave ourselves second chance opportunities, and we did hit free throws late and all that good stuff. But do you remember, like, how difficult it was? <laughs> Kayvon, I'll get to you in a moment. Uh, how difficult it was 
to watch us try to shoot the basketball back in the day where we won only and solely through quote unquote junkyard dog defense. Like, we made every game a painful experience. I remember, now, I, I loved winning, and winning trumps everything, so you want to win, all that good stuff. It's great, right? But if you recall, during the runs, including into the Sweet 16 and everything else, during the Junkyard Dog days, opponents would come in here and they would just be, I mean, just absolutely exhausted. They, they may win the game, but it'd be like 48-47, and you'd see like, good Christ, this ran stadium steps for an hour. You know, it's like it was that was the feeling of opposing coaches or even us after we won a game, but also watching us try to shoot the basketball back then, vomited deucing. Like, there's a wide open look, clang. And so you think about that and you fast forward to where we are now, and you're like, look at that. Look at that. As soon as it comes off his hands, silky. That butler kid, I could watch him shoot all day long. Watch that kid stroke. That is a thing of beauty. I got some dudes. It's going to be fun to watch those guys develop. I, I don't think, I mean, I would love to believe knock on wood, wouldn't it be great? But he's already showing signs that he's only going to get better and he's got the body for it and he can jump out of the gym. So I would love to see Matthew Cleveland come back next year because, again, losing kids year in and year out after just one season is tough. It's tough to sustain anything, but you have some other kids here that are very young, either sophomores or redshirt freshmen or whatever, that you can really see, you're beginning to see them emerge and contribute and grow in confidence, and, and the Butler kid's just going to be so fun to watch. He is, he is he's going to be a lights-out player. I know you all, you, all you see when you look at him now is the fact that he, he is really, I mean, you got to get some food in that kid's belly. You can't help. You're looking at him. You're like, come on, man. Give that man a cheeseburger during this timeout. Let's go. Oh, contraire. We did guard Banchero, Jay. Um, he, he went a 14-minute stretch where he didn't score in the second half. Now, he's a great player and is going to be the first pick in the draft in all likelihood and thus in the last five minutes of the game made some big shots. But, uh, no, we, we kept the ball out of his hands. We played denied defense and did an incredible job of keeping the ball out of his hands for the vast majority of that second half, and that's why we were in a position to win it. Jeff Cameron, Show 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. The Jeff Cameron Show, brought to you by Orange Theory Fitness, two Tallahassee locations, Midtown on Thomasville Road, and Northside in the Village Common Shopping Center. Online at orangetheoryfitness.com. Think back to the second half, beginning of said second half, I should say. You know, Duke, in dispatching of Wake Forest in the game preceding, uh, or the road game last week, uh, they had a strong first half finish and then went on a 17-3 run to start the second half. If you watch that game, that was Katie Barr the door. The game was over at that point. Duke had put, had put Wake Forest away. But but instead, you know, despite the little run that Duke had at the end of the first half, Florida State comes out and seizes the momentum of the game, dictates terms, goes on a 9-0 run, takes a 42-38 lead. It's, uh, what, 16-43 to play. We get the McLeod dunk off uh, 
We get the McLeod dunk. We get the Cameron Fletcher put back, stick back. We go five or six from the free throw line during that stretch. Duke hits a three. McLeod throws down an alley-oop from Raquan Evans. Um, then you get that highlight real block from Mills on that fast break for Duke on that layup. That was nasty. An angry block. Cleveland follows his own missed shot to give the Knowles 46-41 lead, 14 minutes left. And you kind of just were whole, you, you felt like Duke was up against it. Duke was, if this were a prize fight, they were losing rounds, uh, you know, seven, eight, nine. And you're thinking, we're coming down here to the final rounds. Duke's in trouble. They looked exhausted. Coach K said after the game that was the most physical game they'd played all year long, that Florida State's the most physical team that they had faced all year long. I, I haven't thought about this team in, in that way. I haven't. I haven't. I haven't. I, th- I thought of them as deep because they're always deep. They always play a lot of guys. Certainly tall. They got length. Um, they can run a lot of size at the problem. Not always elite skilled size, but size. And they've got some guys that are streaky. Some guys that can really light it up. And uh, when they're right, they hit those shots. When they're not, we go through stretches where they don't. But you know, this is a this is a flawed team. They've got holes to fill. There'll be matchups that they don't really. Uh, have much of a chance in. So going back, uh, before break, uh, somebody on the chat noted that we couldn't guard a couple of guys. Well, Banchero's going to be the number one pick in the draft. There ain't too many people going to guard him, but we went through a 14-minute stretch where he didn't score. Uh, That's about as good as you're going to do. And we don't have an answer for Williams. Then again, not a lot of people do. He was coming off a 19-11 game, and he's a guy that can really light it up. He's just so big, so strong. Um, but you know, that's why Duke is who they are. And, 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 you know, that's why they're ranked where they are. That's why year in and year out, they are a perennial contender to maybe win a national championship. They recruit at a different level, but you know, that's also why Florida State is who they are, which is, uh, can we, I mean, look, Florida State folks, if we're looking at the ACC, Florida State has finished ahead of Duke each of the last two seasons. Florida State has finished ahead of Duke in three of the last five seasons. So when I say to people, it's not stunning we beat Duke. It's not stunning we beat Duke. Not here. Not here. I think Duke's better. They weren't last night. I think Duke's a better team. Has a better chance to go further. Has players that, uh, I mean, like, when you have a kid who's going to go number one in the draft, yeah. And by the way, that kid, whoo. That's you know to see that kid and really watch him for a full game operate and again denying him the ball was huge in that second half especially that run just keeping the ball out of his hands going nope 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 you're a problem we're not going to let best way to defend you is to just never let you have the ball because damn it when you get it there's not a lot we can do with you but one thing that stands out about guys like that when you see these guys we think back to Zion right he's not Zion but when you think about that there's just preternaturally big and strong. Like, who's a freshman that looks like that? That guy's legs, he should start at linebacker for Alabama. He's massive. Who, who's a freshman that looks like that? That's crazy. It's so rare to see physical freaks like that. When you see a genetic lottery, you go, well, off the cap, kid. You're going to make a lot of money. Which leads me to another point where somebody noted that, um, you know, Cleveland's not ready for the NBA. It ain't about that, guys. We talk about this all the time. So last year... When we were talking about, you know, whether or not 
I, I mean, in my mind, right from the beginning, we were kind of worried that uh, we were going to lose. Uh, uh, we were going to definitely lose. Maybe certainly one player. The thought was that you know you could lose two very important players, and we sat around and we talked at length, and we said, "Well, I wonder." how many guys they can bring in to replace a Scotty Barnes, to replace somebody who's that talented. And even then, when we had that discussion, people would get mad. They're like, Scotty Barnes hasn't shown enough. But people mistake like a points-per-game thing for a freshman in college. They mistake that to a, like, what does he project as body type when he can commit to solely playing basketball, NBA-style basketball at that, day-to-day, every day, all day, practice, study, mature, develop, work specifically on areas of weakness. Like, teams are projecting not what an 18-year-old is currently, but what he'll be at 22, 23, 24. And so when you look at a kid who has a genetic makeup like that, like, say, Matthew Cleveland, You see that athleticism, that thickness, and you realize, man, there's a lot of tools to work with there. There's an awful lot that projects very nicely. So he may be this thing right now, but in four years, what is he? In five years, what is he? Because even at that point, you're talking about a guy being 21, 22, 23 years old. They're still so young and entering into a prime, and they will have had all of that time to work on, develop, improve, round into shape those areas of their game uh, that are weak and or areas of weakness physically that they can make stronger to help overcome where they currently sit and are lacking. So that, that's that's all. you you gotta, you got to look at things like that. By the way, before we go to break, before we start hour number two, have you ever been concerned about taking too much risk in the stock market? Have you ever heard of the rule of 100 or 100 minus your age? This is a rule of thumb that can help you estimate how much investment risk you should take based upon your age and or stage of life. Let's say that you were aged, I don't know, 65. Take the number 100, subtract your age, 65, from it. Your age, meaning the number 65, or 65% is the amount of your money that should be safe, guaranteed, protected. The leftover number, 35, or 35%, is the amount you can keep in the stock market, maybe in good dividend-paying stocks, mutual funds, and the like. If you would like a simple and easy-to-read report on how much risk you're currently taking, whether you're age 45 or 85, just call Pete Tyson. From Preservation Financial Group, 850-523-6118. That's 850-523-6118. And ask Pete for no obligation, easy to read report on your current risk level. That's Pete Tyson, excuse me, Pete Tyson with Preservation Financial Group, online at preservationfinancialgroup.com. Hour number two, forthcoming. Stay with Jeff Cabot Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio and War Chant TV.